0: Welcome to the Mother of All Movement podcast with me, Catherine Meadows. I'm a women's health trainer specializing in postnatal recovery and a mum to two kids myself. My aim is to inspire and educate through chats with women who are either working through their own movement journey or work to help women get stronger and recover both physically and mentally after having kids. I want to talk about what they do, how they integrate it into their family lives, and essentially, Why? Because I believe when we share our stories and our values, we lift each other up, enabling every mother to fulfil her body's potential, gain confidence in her power, and give her family the best version of her to share their lives with. So join me each week to hear these wonderful women talk about their journey. Hello everyone and welcome uh, to this episode and I am really happy to welcome Dr. Maria Papavergos to uh, the podcast today. Uh, Maria is uh, the lifestyle dentist on social media. She is a dentist and also a yoga teacher with aerial yoga as part of her training and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Maria, she has four kids and they live on a incredible estate in the southwest of Scotland and so there are so many different parts to um, movement and life that and um, well-being and things that that all come into that and um, you know I'm sure we all know how important looking after our oral health is but Maria is going to tell us even more about that and what the things that we really need to work on and focus on for our whole overall well-being so Maria thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Pleasure. Lovely to be here. I'm delighted to speak with you.
0: Yeah, great. So first of all, um, I mentioned that you have four kids and you live in the southwest of Scotland. So how did you come to uh, living where you are and kind of working the way you do and especially uh, working in a more holistic way with dentistry rather than doing, I guess, what we might call the kind of run of the mill sort of dentistry as you do?
1: Yes. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a, a story that led me to what I'm what I currently do. Um, so I started my profession out in Edinburgh, and um, that's where I started working, where my career began, I suppose, as a dentist. Um, and I thought that's where I'd stay, but I actually ended up meeting my husband in Edinburgh, and he was from this part of the world in southwest Scotland. So we got married and that's when I followed him and ended up here as well so we ended up both um, building our lives together in um, southwest Scotland so he he um, has his, his childhood was here he was brought up here and the family estate is now where we live so it's um, a working family estate and there are several aspects to it which um, I'm now Involved in some of them. Um, my husband mainly does the running of the day to day of the estate. Um, but yeah, this is where our family now, four children, all have um, all, all run around wild amongst the countryside, and there's plenty of animals to keep them entertained, and um, there's lots of wonderful outdoors for for all of us. So we're all very outdoorsy people, and it suits. It, it actually has turned out to suit us um, very well. So it's, a, it's a lovely lifestyle here.
0: I mean it sounds uh, idyllic, um, it's such a beautiful area of Scotland anyway, but also being on an estate. So when you say working estate, what, uh,
1: where's, what's the work? Do you have um, animals? Um, yeah so it's kind of, I mean traditionally we're a shooting estate, um, so that's what initially it started out as, and forestry is also a huge um, part of the running of, of the estate, which is um still the bread and butter uh of of where we are um we're very sustainable in our approach we 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 started over time to just diversify the business to try and uh, introduce different income streams and um one of the things we're now branching into is experiences and events so we we have a farm which is a deer farm as well as sheep um, but also we're now doing weddings and retreats and we have four holiday cottages um, and it's um, hopefully a place that we can encourage people to come and stay and visit and experience not only the sporting side um, but also have holidays here and and really experience the countryside which is around us and all the different activities and adventures that are on offer which is it's very family friendly um but also just a different, slightly under underexplored part of Scotland. We, we find that people often miss us out with a Southwest corner, um, but actually it's a it's got lots going on around here and it's a, be- a beautiful, stunning part of Scotland. So encouraging people to come and discover us as well. Yeah,
0: so, so I, uh, I went to a wedding, um, friends got married, Near Arisag, Malag Arisag, around that that area. Oh so yes. You, are you? Is that
1: north of you? Yeah. So we're right so you're south. You're down, yeah. right? We okay. are. We are really on the, just above the border with England. So uh, we have, yeah, quite close to some coast. Uh, so there's beautiful sea around us. Not too far from us. There's lots of mountain biking. Um, obviously, lots of Scottish locks. So there's um there's plenty of mountain it's all got it we've got it all it's it's uh yeah plenty going on <laughs> <laughs> it Sounds perfect. So, yeah lots lots to explore lots for the children as well so it's a lovely it's a lovely environment for them to grow up in so they're very lucky very fortunate children yeah yeah so how old are your kids so I have a five-year-old a four-year-old two-year-old and a baby of eight months so it's <laughs>
0: course, I'm, I'm exhausted just hearing that. Like four under five, wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yes, it's busy. It's a busy time. But the idea is, as they grow older, they will all play together. And actually, I mean, I'm starting to see that happening already. The sort of older three are are fairly independent. Um, and you know, we're getting there. It's uh, it's still it's full on. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's, yeah. Life day to day life is a juggle. Um. But actually, you know, it's, it's lovely to see to see them grow up being close. So I think, you know, hopefully, as time goes on, it gets easier. Uh, probably different challenges await me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm sure. But you know, every every family's individual. Like all the uh, dynamics and the uh, and the characteristics of each child and the siblings and you know, I have it's fascinating. Two, but I suppose it depends in within a four
1: who collaborates together. Yes, yeah, play. I think it is. It's wonderful to see, actually, as they grow, how how those relationships develop and little characteristics start to, yeah, they, they, they really start to form sort of friendships within the four and they, they play differently with each other. And actually, it's a it's a it's a fun it's a fun dynamic. It's a busy dynamic um, we get we get rarely a quiet moment so this is actually oh a real treat another
0: <laughs> <laughs> an adult <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: sorry, absolutely sorry. adult conversation is much appreciated
0: <laughs> so uh presumably you went with your career you went through the normal dentistry route and and worked as a as a Dentist in in maybe I don't know what I would call the normal way you know if we were going to go for a, a checkup and things that I'm sure most people's dentist doesn't doesn't talk to you about your gut microbiome and things like that but that's right yeah absolutely so how did you uh, how did you come around to sort of um, bringing in that side of the work as well
1: so that you're right I, I started off as a general and I still am a general dental practitioner. And seeing patients um and really i think the move to where we are now and becoming a mother um was probably one of my biggest triggers to start to look at the the overall approach and really realizing that you know we want to do our best for our children um and suddenly you become very aware of your your own lifestyle i think when you have children how you want to do the best for them and how to to bring them up in a way that they they make the right choices for their own health and you can deliver positive behavioural habits to them and I think I I found you talking to other mothers and also other patients of mine that there was was quite a gap in the understanding of how our mouth um, and what habits we have day to day can affect our mouth and how our mouth impacts the rest of our body so I, I almost became a little bit of a mission of mine to try and educate and empower people to have some more knowledge of their own to to bring up their children in a way that will instill lifelong habits in them and make encourage them to make positive choices for for themselves and not get into trouble like having your dental decay in young children or as an adult if you can make choices and choose choose a lifestyle that is preventative so it's trying to find a preventative approach um from various aspects from dietary choices from oral health habits from a daily lifestyle and really trying to build the picture in a in a sense that everyone can achieve health oral health if they they do look at and they understand different aspects and they they can implement them in their daily life so i I started to feel that perhaps people overlooked the mouth we talked when people spoke about health it was very much based on um you know perhaps physical activity, maybe a lot of appearance, um, but not not so much just looking at the start point as the mouth and what we could be doing on a day-to-day basis that supports oral health, supports our oral microbiome, which is also the balance of bacteria in our our mouths as well as the rest of our body. So I yeah I felt like um I I needed to shine a light on it a little bit more, I suppose, so to speak. And
0: um I mean I've seen some other people via your uh Instagram account I've kind of seen some other dentists is is it something that's becoming a lot more recognized to um encouraging patients with that understanding of the different effects that they can have on the whole of their well-being of their body via their mouth is it something that yes let's talk about a lot more now
1: yeah absolutely I think it's definitely um a growing area and there's there's a lot of evidence which is now emerging to link the mouth to the rest of the body mm. and i think as a profession you know we are very evidence-based um and sometimes it takes a long time to get to to having sufficient reliable evidence to to start to talk about it And i think now that's that is emerging and uh, i think as a whole people are starting to just probably connect a lot more and, and hopefully speak about it a lot more to patients um it's, uh, there's always challenges, I think, within the profession and dentists talking to patients that perhaps there's always time issues and there's a lot to juggle when you do see a patient. And mm. often there is a, an approach which people want to be treated. So you miss out on a lot of conversation and the kind of preventative side is sometimes probably not a focus because there's a lot of, of work to be done and there's a there's an end point that people want, want to see. Um, so i think that people are now and i mean dentists are definitely much more aware that that we we have a lot of knowledge in this area that needs to be disseminated and i think people can get a lot of benefit from it so uh, i hope hope my you know my my ideal would be that in time there's there's a lot more sort of talking about it to not only people but amongst the profession as well so Once, once dentists are on the same page and it's spoken about more widely, then this can become a more of a universal approach. And it's perhaps going to be integrated into daily care and, and routine appointments. Whereas I think at the moment, it's, it's probably not so widely seen.
0: And I, I suppose one of the issues when somebody comes for a checkup and there's something that you want to discuss with them, when the, there's work that needs to be done, there's no conversation that can go on because We've got our mouths open. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like sitting next to the doctor where they're having That's like right. an incidental conversation. They can pick up bits of, you know, when you sit down and you sort of go, oh yeah, but there was also that one time when, and and those little nuggets of information that a patient and I get the same thing with my clients, you know, I I, I get the functional information from them. But then, it's the incidental stuff that we weave into conversation. We're like, "Oh, wait, hang on, tell tell me about that other day when you had a headache, or you had such, you know." And a doctor gets that, of course. You don't. You, you can't so yes you can't. that is exactly. like so tell me about it okay now we're oh, actually so. <laughs> yeah. so that yeah, that's, that's a bit of a limitation absolutely.
1: isn't there yeah yeah no that's a very very valid point <laughs> uh, it is very much a one one way conversation and especially with you know we, there's a lot of layers of p like ppe now and yes. i think that's an that's an additional barrier that perhaps is um it's is difficult to, to start a conversation and, yeah. and find the time and for patients to feel also that they're, they're ready to listen um, so a lot of it is creating the right environment and almost building it into your practice in a way that um, that suits suits you and suits the patients and I mean I think there are there are different ways that you could you could ta- tackle tackle it by I mean even if you did, create different appointments with other dental professionals but I mean the hygienist role is also Mm. hugely valuable Um, so different members of the team can also be really helpful in Mm. in sharing this information.
0: And I suppose uh, you know I, I find a lot of the time if I go to visit my dentist any any information on the wall a lot of it is advertising a toothpaste store or something like that. And that, you know, we're so used to toothpaste adverts on the TV. My dentist yeah. uh, told me to get this. And you're like, yeah, right. Of course they did. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> you're not really a dentist uh, on the TV. And, uh, you know, the adverts, you I, you kind of get a little bit cynical about them. You know? Yes. Uh, oh, right. They're yeah. the big brands. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. They're all the best. Um, and so, yeah, so it's find, I, I, I you know, you find really leaking in information about other bits yes. to this. So when we're sitting in the waiting room that there's other bits of information there that isn't just trying to sell you the big name product or something like that. So that there's yes. a I think, other yeah, way that, to get it in.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think from, from a patient point of view, there's a lot of merit in having a conversation um, or even just, you know, it's not necessarily a conversation it's just as you say like a little nugget that you could just point in the in the direction coming from a professional rather than this sort of blanket marketing approach and I think it's just having it on your radar that you know people kind of do want this information Mm -hmm. and it's finding an opportunity just to even you know make a suggestion that could be beneficial like a small change I think a lot of it is about small sustainable change it's not trying to bombard patients with a load of lifestyle changing information because they won't there's no way they can maintain it yeah and i think it's quite intimidating and it probably can sound a bit preachy as well mm. which i think is then less likely to have an uptake whereas i think if you had you know one or two little facts or helpful hints that people can start making choices that are more positive on their health that can be sustained and they can integrate into their daily life then then bit by bit people can start to make those steps towards better oral health really without it feeling like too much effort. And I think that that sort of approach can be really effective.
0: And uh, what do you find that is kind of one of the most uh, misunderstood um, things about lifestyle that you would uh, talk to a patient about or encourage patients to know a bit more about?
1: I think, I mean, from a very simple point of view, I think if you make time for your for movement and for general um, bodily health allowing yourself exercise allowing yourself which goes in hand with some headspace which can be stress managing which again means that you're probably just finding a little bit of time every day to do something for yourself that's positive go outside sit down have a meal do something which is not in a rush enjoy your food and it's those little things that that actually they can impact your is your overall health in a in a very subtle way but day to day those little changes mean that you're a little bit more mindful that you're a little bit more relaxed that you're you're moving your body a bit more so you're trying to maintain this overall health healthy picture and as and then as a, an outcome of that it will mean that the balance in your mouth is also more likely to be in, in balance rather than you know, rushing food, going for the fizzy drinks, going for a snack, going for some junk food and always being in this stressed state where you're kind of rushing around, you don't, you don't relax. So your cortisol is, is, you know, is, is highly, is constantly there. You're on this kind of, it's fight, fight or flight response and actually that can have an, uh, an effect on your inflammatory status, your immune status, which, which again affects your, your mouth, your, um, your risk of gum disease and, and how it impacts your mouth. It's not, not just your body. So often if you can just make a little bit of, of time and really just focus on yourself in a kind of positive, healthy way, it will impact your mouth in a positive, healthy way
0: so how because because I think you know a lot of people might think or be listening to this and thinking but surely it just stops at the mouth like how how does anything at the mouth get affected by whether or not I'm calmer or you know or more stressed and how does what happens in your mouth affect your stress levels where where, where is that how's that pathway
1: Yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's sort of multifactorial with stress because there's the direct sort of link and then there's the indirect effect. Um, I mean, indirectly, if you're stressed, you're probably less likely to focus on brushing your teeth, simple things like that. You're probably not going to be doing a meticulous job. You're probably going to be rushing it and you're probably not going to be thinking really about looking after the health of your mouth. Mm. So the likelihood is it's you might or you might be brushing quite hard quite vigorously yeah like kind of like sort of get the job (laughs) done (laughs) and move on to the next thing so that's the kind of indirect effect so you could be you know damaging your mouth or not brushing your teeth as well or not looking after your health of your mouth you're probably not going to spend the time flossing so you'll be missing out on the oral hygiene side Mm. um but the more direct effects are things like if you have an increased level of cortisol then you've got an increased inflammatory status. And that links very closely to to gum disease. So, and we also have, um, so saliva is linked to stress. It tends to be that a more stressed person um, has lower levels of saliva and saliva is very much our our natural agent to help buffer against disease. It helps to maintain the the balance of the oral microbiome. Um, It's a bit like a secret agent, I would say. So, you know, you want to have a healthy saliva flow. Um, so people might have a reduced saliva flow, increased inflammation, and and as a result of that, they they're perhaps more likely to have gum disease and on top of that, probably not doing habits which support oral health. So the propagation, so these little things propagate and propagate, and suddenly you find yourself in a diseased state. And it's not it's not obvious. You know, just you you think you don't or you don't even think about it. Mm. Um and probably again, you know, people who are highly stressed aren't finding time to to relax and and give time to themselves so they probably haven't even considered how their mouth could or the rest of their body could be affected um probably not drinking enough water things like that little things which make a big difference Mm. so it's, it's a kind of looking at a person as a whole and just perhaps trying to have a conversation about their life rather than just this is what we need be, we're looking at your mouth you've got you know decay here and we need to treat it yeah. um I mean, it's perhaps trying to have that conversation about you know perhaps need to make it a little bit more time for the day-to-day things which can support her overall health
0: and uh I, I i don't know i mean you're welcome to correct me if i'm wrong but am i right in thinking that gum health has a direct link to heart conditions
1: yes absolutely so so periodontal disease or sort of more severe form of gum disease is now evidence-based linked to, um, so heart heart disease for di- diabetes to Alzheimer's. Um, so it's this chronic inflammatory condition, um, which we now know that this sort of imbalance in your oral microbiome, which happens in with periodontal disease, the bacteria that do proliferate in this, in this disease, they signal, so they, they produce a, um, like signaling molecules that enter the bloodstream and affect other parts of the body. So it's, it's not just our mouth. It, it, if you are somebody who suffers from gum disease, then you are at a higher risk of suffering from other chronic inflammatory diseases at other sites of your body. So yes, your risk of heart disease is increased and, and diabetes and, um, and, it's yeah, there's more and more evidence to, to see other diseases that, that are becoming more closely linked. So gut health as well. So now we're looking at links to, um, to inflammatory bowel disease. Um, so it's, it's inf- this, inf- this level of inflammation in the mouth can also translate further down because you've got to see as our mouth really, it, it is a start point to the rest of the body. And yeah. what happens there, it, it's not isolated, it is it is linked. And it's important for us to, to understand that, you know, by, by having a bit of control over our mouth, we can also help to mitigate against risk of disease elsewhere.
0: And, uh, you know, the gut microbiome has become a very popular understanding of- definitely not a fad it's definitely a science rock solid science backs not even a diet it's just a statement of fact about the gut microbiome so we we all i think have a lot more of an understanding about that and some people have you know explored things a little bit more about various things that they can do to help the good bacteria or the balance of their bacteria to become a little bit better in their gut so What uh, how does that relate? I mean, obviously, there's the direct, literally a tube sort of relationship between from our mouth to our gut. But what can we do in our mouth in order to help that? You've talked about stress reduction. You've talked about, you know, saliva and stuff like that. So are there things about um, you know balancing what we eat I mean we know that things like fermented foods really help in the gut yes. and stuff like that so is that the yeah. same sort of thing in the mouth is it different? so yes
1: I yeah absolutely so it, yeah the, the gut microbiome is not in isolation so it, it starts in the mouth so the, the microbiome of the mouth again is is responsive to foods and to what we put in it and by fueling it with, with foods that are supportive of the good bacteria, so fermented foods, kefir, sauerkraut, um, will support the good bacteria. Um, and it's in, in simil- similarities are very much in place with the mouth and the gut. So choosing foods, again, that are not um, high in sugar, we, I mean, we, it's not just about dental decay, although that is very much an aspect, um, but you by, by having lots of whole grains, um, choosing high fiber foods, not only are, are we reducing our risk of dental decay, but we are reducing our risk of inflammation. So these are these foods are much less inflammatory, and that links to our gum health, um, which links to the rest of our body. So it's not it's not just looking at sugar in a very simplistic way, which I yeah. think is. What you always think of when it comes to teeth, you just think, "Oh, just don't have too much sugar, and it'll be fine." Yeah. But it's so much more than that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely support support your oral health with fermented foods. Um, I would say, you know, choose whole grains where you where you can. You know, make those little swaps. Just go go to um, away from white bread, white pasta where you can, and just you know choose the whole grain options. Um, hydrate, drink loads of water. I mean, something like that is, is quite a simple thing, but again, it's, it, it's the balance in our saliva. So, you know, a hydrated mouth, you've got better saliva flow and that helps to mitigate against disease in, in itself. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, with gut health, we talk about plant diversity, it's a big thing at the moment. And that that also plays a role in our mouth because by having this diversity within our diet and lots of these polyphenols, these plant chemicals, we, we are, ensuring that we get all these micronutrients into our diet um, and again these are supportive of oral health as well as our overall health so you want to make sure that you're getting the vitamins in you're getting all these different nutrients that can can help to support not only your gut bacteria but your your mouth bacteria as well
0: yeah and um, as as a movement person myself uh, I I do get quite a few clients where often we'll talk about their bite. And so I, I recently had a, a load of orthodontic, uh, orthodontic work, um, because my bite was misaligning, okay. following, uh, you know, I, I, as my dentist said to me, so he was a, he's my myofascial orthodontist. So he specifically works on slow uh, working on the fascia around the jaw in order to help Increase the space in the palate and things, and yeah. he said he said it's just your, your classic patient in your forties had dentistry uh, had some really aggressive orthodontic work when you were in your teen early teens like super early, and yeah, loads of teeth whipped out and then just you know narrowed your palate and then yeah struggling because the bite is, is misaligned, right? And, yes um, you know I have other. Uh, clients who we've talked through the same sort of thing we've talked about what the importance of it and and why it's so uh important for like their posture and the way that they can tip their neck and things like that and uh um you know but it's also so important for the way that we chew so my my dentist's concern, you know, he said, if you just take it on the basic level, your teeth need to align so that you can chew your food properly. And otherwise you're going to have issues with food not being digested before yeah. it gets to the stomach yeah so, so that's a really important part of the sort of looking yeah absolutely I mean it's that
1: back to the basics things. isn't it I mean why have we got teeth I mean to yeah. chew
0: yeah I mean and
1: actually that it sounds so, so obvious when you think about it yes but actually you know some of these dietary fads are you know people talk about juicing diets and you know you swap you know go for almost like a liquid diet and I'm always so against them I think just you know we've got teeth to chew, and it's not just about digesting our food, but also the food you, you've got fiber in in food, and you the fiber protects the sugars. So you know as soon as you juice everything down, all the sugars are free, and they're in your mouth, and they attack your teeth in a way that protected sugars in in whole fruits and whole vegetables is completely different. The way they they respond in the mouth, and people that choose to to juice all the time, it hugely worries me actually, because often they don't think about their teeth, they're thinking about it being a, a healthy choice. And and that's when it can be quite misleading because people make in their minds what is a healthy choice by thinking they're getting loads of stuff. But actually it's, it's kind of overload uh, and in, in a form that is not beneficial yeah. to not only our mouth, but to, to our overall health. Because I mean, suddenly you get this also, this sugar spike, which, you know, you've got the, the ups and downs, which is not great for our blood sugar as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Chewing, there's evidence about chewing now that you know, people that retain their teeth into old age yes. and they continue to chew, they are less likely to end up with dementia as well. So it shows that the even the act of chewing yes. It, Creating brain is maintaining brain connections. I, I so-
0: heard uh, uh, exactly the same thing on uh, Dr. Chatterjee's, uh podcast, the Feel Better, Live More podcast, oh, doing okay. it with somebody, uh, a brain health uh, specialist researcher who said chewing something. Uh, Uh, challenging crispy I don't know but he like his description of it was you needed to choose something tough in order to stimulate whatever it was and and he said we know that people older people who are still chewing properly uh, retain better brain health whereas those who got to go towards a a more liquid like mushy diets, yeah they'd start losing teeth gapping in their teeth um and so they can't do really good chewing their um you know brain um uh you know the way that their brain sort of develops uh it it's, it becomes a lot more destructive destructive and i was just yeah it's like, not from-
1: chewing <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we—it's it's, you kind of go back. Like sometimes we try to over-engineer what we should be doing. It's, yeah, it's—we it's, you know, we we're designed to chew. So to yes. so chew, yeah, <laughs> chew your food. You know, go for food that you can chew, and actually, you know, it's better for your for your mouth, for your body, for your you know, for your your brain health. I mean, it's it's it is actually you know quite fundamental so you're yeah, having a, you know having a good bite is key um you know looking after your teeth so you don't lose teeth you don't want to have gum disease because that can ultimately lead to tooth loss so you want to maintain as many teeth as you can so you have the ability to chew um and also you know it's also a lot of there's there's the the kind of emotional side to it as well you know if people have the ability to chew there's less there's less embarrassment if they go out and you know finding choices that suit them and probably you know it's better mental well-being less social embarrassment all these kind of factors which again impact our health in it more you know it's it's not just physically it's mentally as well so there's so many reasons why you know we we should be chewing um so absolutely, please ditch any juicing, fads <laughs> that might be sold to you for any health reasons. <laughs> yes. yes, yeah, exactly. So um, so coming on to a movement side
0: of things, you're also a yoga teacher and you teach aerial yoga as well. So yeah. how did that come about amongst presumably a relatively busy? I mean, I can't
1: imagine dentistry gives you much space to do a side hustle. No, you're right. That uh, it actually was. was, I suppose it was more of a hobby to start with, and I think yoga's always been for me a little bit. Although, as you say, life is busy. Yoga. I I found yoga gave me time for myself, and it was Mm. it became my little sanctuary, I suppose. Mm. So, in a kind of when I was working, sort of day and day out in um, a practice in Edinburgh, I still found you know yoga was my little my little thing that would give me some headspace and I continued it through when I moved here and I started my family and even more so I found that when I had children that you know having that headspace and having your time and to focus on really your health but also that mental clarity and calmness was just to me was absolutely essential for my salvation I think yeah, so I became very passionate about it. And I felt like, you know, if I if I got my yoga in, you know, every if every day, if I could, I was a better person, I was a better mother, I felt like I my body felt better. And I think, you know, it became such a passion that I thought, well, I, you know, I think this is something I want to, to again, to distribute to other people and to teach and to um to offer that opportunity to others so while when I had my first child I I went to start my teacher training um, in Edinburgh and I completed it when I had my second child and and uh, started then teaching and loving it and the aerial yoga came came about very bizarrely in a way because we have a space. It, uh, we have an old squash court, actually. Which, oh wow! My husband and I were like, you know, it's kind of was part apart, but we thought we should kind of get this back because it's quite a cool space. And he was like, "Do you know what would be really cool is that? You know, the aerial stuff that sometimes you see." And I was like, "Do you know that sounds amazing? <laughs> I'm gonna go and give it a go." So I went. I went back to Edinburgh. And I thought I'm going to give this a go. I love and how that your husband topic. came
0: up with this? Did oh, he, had he ever done aerial before?
1: Was it his thing, or he would just seen it and was like He just to seen it and I thought. Do you, I think from from a point of view, is, is he quite likes the the mechanics behind it, like putting up the aerial hammocks, okay. and he wanted to like do the hanging of the hammocks from the roof of the squash court, and it was almost like a little bit of um, an engineering challenge. I yeah. think in his mind is how he's going to do them and I was like oh I just want to be doing it yeah so we decided that um, that would make it happen so he got up into the roof of the squash court and we hung the hammocks and now that's my aerial yoga space and um I'm teaching that as well which I absolutely love and it's become something that I adore teaching and getting feedback from people who who are coming to my classes and perhaps haven't tried it before and get so much out of it. Um, it's very different to normal yoga and has um, has lots of different sort of challenges to it. So, so there's a lot of sort of building your confidence with using the hammock and sort of- Yes. Almost taking a leap of faith sometimes as well yes. that you, you know, you're gonna be okay, you're not gonna fall out. Um, but you can get into some amazingly deep stretches that you can't do otherwise okay. be really supportive. It's like a prop, but with more, and you've got this lovely feeling of floating in the hammock, which mm. you can't get from anything else. So it's, it's quite, it's quite peaceful, but again, it's quite challenging. It's a real workout as well. Like there's a lot of arm strength that you, you naturally build up without really realizing. Yeah. Um, and it can be, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, an all round, really, really lovely practice of yoga. So i yeah, I'm, I'm again a, a huge, a huge passionate advocate for it. Yeah, it's
0: funny. <laughs> I've never done aerial yoga. I, d- I, I don't know why. Because I've done quite a few different types of yoga and been to a good few studios. I used to live in London until we moved here,
1: and
0: okay. uh, yeah, ne- never done it. But it looks so brilliant. So, th- so why, uh, why did uh, where did aerial yoga kind of come from? What because it feels like it's sort of. I don't know. I feel like I would be in a class and it would be quite quite fun and very silly. And a lot of you'd have to talk and communicate quite a lot. Whereas most yoga classes are sort of zen intentionally. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're there to create an atmosphere of calm. You know, there's not normally a huge amount of talking and uh you know you don't often uh, okay there's the odds like someone falls over doing yeah. something or something like that but I can
1: imagine it's quite funny doing yeah um, I, I a, think definitely beginner's class there are lots of laughs okay and I think there's definitely there's a bit more of a relaxed approach to it yes. because there's a lot of communication about how to what how you should be getting in and out of the hammock and what to be doing which I suppose it, it it's it is a bit more there's more, there's more talking in it than perhaps in a normal class or a, a yoga class that you're used to. Um, and, but in a way that's perhaps a little bit of the appeal to it because people who've maybe not done yoga before, um, or they've, they've, they've been a bit nervous about that kind of that aspect of yoga It being quite, you know, everyone seems to know what they're doing and no one really yeah. talks about it. And suddenly you're in this room, everyone knows what they're doing. You're not quite sure. Whereas an yoga, I mean, if no, a lot of people haven't done it before and actually we all lose our balance sometimes, or if you do, you know, do something that's a little bit, you know, not what you meant to do, it's, it's quite funny. That's quite, a re, it's quite relaxed. And yeah. I think that's part of the appeal in some way. Um, but as people progress, I think, you know, you, you find, you do find your your confidence in it and it can become also quite a, a meditative um, mm. practice. Um, I think especially when when you are you know sort of following a little bit of a sequence and you you can find you can definitely find your your calmness still and especially with the floating I think if you can float in a pose and just find your moment that can be really quite tranquil and quite quite peaceful so it has it has a bit of everything and I think that's possibly why um it attracts different some different people which who wouldn't normally go to a yoga class
0: yeah yeah because sometimes that that environment just isn't right for Yeah, Um, some clients that's sort of very quiet you know some people really don't like the quietness it's too it's too much in their heads already to then go and step into a quiet room whereas other people they really benefit from that because their heads are really busy so you know everybody needs to find the thing that really um, helps them but all of us need to do something that is also down toning our system and sort of calming things down rather than just going, Oh, well, I'm just a busy, active person, yeah, so I just yeah. need to do hit and high impact and you know, Zimba and stuff like that all the time. We all kind of need to do
1: something that helps us, yeah,
0: down regulate things. That's right. Bit, and so... I often
1: think it's those people that do do all those kind of things and they need the yoga the most. And those yeah. are the people that will say, I'm just not very flexible, I just don't think I could do the class. And I always say, it doesn't matter how flexible you are. It's not about being flexible. It's about trying to work on aspects of your body that can increase your flexibility and help to really manage your, your muscles as well, because there's a lot of people that do lots of high intensity it's all muscle 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 but you know they forget about their joints and they forget about looking after the health of you know their overall spine and body and hmm. I think um sometimes it can be quite quite rewarding to get those people to come to a class and you think yeah oh, get something out of it that's just so great because it's maybe something that they wouldn't normally do or it's perhaps a little bit out of their comfort zone but they can they can feel the benefit of it yeah so yeah, I do. I do like it. People do try, try it out and they can come away feeling that it's it's benefited them. So it's uh, it's very rewarding as a teacher, I think.
0: And uh, so how does movement, apart from the sort of like we just talked about the stress reduction, you know, people needing to kind of regulate and things. But I mean, maybe that that's exactly what it is. But how does movement and Oral health and, and oral microbiome. How did how do those combine together? Is uh, is there a relationship between when we move and how our
1: um, our general well being and health? Well, um, yeah, interesting. I mean, there is evidence that physical activity, um, which I suppose can be. I mean, yoga is part of that, but any movement, any person that is physically active and moves regularly has a lower risk of developing gum disease and i mean that probably comes about because it, it is linked to stress yes um, people who are physically active probably are less stressed so i think that is probably a huge link um, they're probably a bit more healthy the overall lifestyle is better as well so they're probably more conscious about what they eat um, and they're probably you know they're not going to have so many of the underlying conditions which can again it works both ways so people with heart disease are also a higher risk of gum disease so if you're a more active person you're less likely to be obese or less likely to have heart disease or less likely to have conditions which again can can increase your risk of diseases in the mouth so it it, it is linked both ways and physically active people are shown to have um a lower incidence of of gum disease so um so that that's the, the link from a movement point of view, but yeah, the stress side of it, I think is really, is really important, um, because stress links our body up in, in so many different ways. And the mouth is, is one of the areas that it affects quite, quite heavily. There's a lot of evidence now that a stressed mouth, I mean, it's a stressed mouth. It's not just about the saliva, well, but what you're talking about, your bite and, you know, people who clench their teeth yeah. at night as well, yeah. and you can get a lot of pain in your jaw and headaches, and it can really affect your quality of life. Um, so yeah, people who do actually a little bit of I actually think yoga, just before you go to bed, just spend five minutes, do some stretches, do some yoga moves. And that helps to relax you, helps to relax your jaw as well. Yes. So if you go to sleep and then you're not clenching your jaw, um, that's going to benefit your, the muscles of your mouth. It's going to help to prevent against this kind of grinding of your teeth, which a lot of people manifest stress in their mouth so again movement and, and trying to relax your body can help to prevent that um so yeah so there's it's, it's an overall life so people who are who are moving um are going to generally be less likely to to show signs of of overall disease and and that will impact their mouth as well um so yeah so it's a kind of it's a it's a link that that is, is from a stress, a stress point of view and an overall lifestyle point of view, I would say.
0: And is there, I mean, we've obviously all in the last couple of years become a lot more um, concerned with our immune, immunity and immune health. Um, what's the link uh, between sort of oral health, maybe movement as well,
1: and immunity? Have you, have you noticed anything in particular? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our, again, our our mouth is hugely linked to our immunity. Um, we, yeah, absolutely. People who, who are again, stress links to immunity as well. So it's all closely linked. So people who are likely to, to be highly stressed or making poor dietary choices, um, they're, they're likely to have dips in their immunity and that's, that can again, manifest through the mouth. So an overall, um, sort of effect on your immunity can manifest in mouth ulceration. You can start to show signs of some um, really obvious signs of oral disease. So as well as gum health, so gum inflammation, gum disease, again, if you are immunocompromised, I mean, your immune response is very much linked to your gum health. So people who, in fact, gum health, if you have gum disease, effectively it is, its it is an, an, an it's almost like an overactive host response or immune okay. response so um you want to try try and again your diet wants to be slightly you know, anti-inflammatory diets trying to consume this kind of overall wide variety of fruit and vegetables trying to support um your immunity will also support your oral health so you know fermented foods um I think a lot of a lot of us sort of health professionals are actually singing from the same hymn sheet. It's it's interesting because it, it tends to be you pocket yourself as you know all health, gum, health, immunity, but actually it's very much like if you're doing if you're trying to do the right thing for one of those aspects, it's gonna benefit the others. Mm. So you want to look at the overall overall picture and make a make a choice that that's gonna be supportive in, in all areas. Um and I guess there's more of a focus right? in the mouth there's definitely the focus is a bit more on sugar because we know about dental decay being very closely linked to yeah. sugar um and I think there's also there's things with hidden sugar which is confusing so people perhaps don't realize that um there are these free sugars in foods that they eat day to day um things like our breakfast cereals there's lots of hidden sugars in that or table sauces and um dried fruits um again very high in these free sugars so people a lot of dietary advice perhaps misses that aspect and goes on to to the gut or to immunity but there's perhaps an additional focus in the mouth to consider um when it comes to dental decay but that but there's still yeah immunity and our saliva holds you it's got um immune agents i suppose you could say in it and what we're doing with with our mouths is going to impact what happens to our overall body as well
0: yeah um and so back to sort of movement but also with your lifestyle in your amazingly beautiful location and things um presumably that requires lots of movement just even just walking around getting from one place to the next when you live in a bigger piece of land that requires lots of movement so your kids must be growing up with lots of sort of natural movement. Is that something that was always really important to you to try to do, even if yeah. you had somebody who ha- happened to have an estate? And <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think that was on my mind at the time. I didn't think I really thought about children until I had them, actually. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, which, yeah, I think it, definitely having children changed my life completely. Um, but yeah, I think I, I have. I always valued it, probably. When I when I was in Edinburgh, I probably um, living in a city, didn't really consider um, movement as much as I do now. I mm. think um, I'm now so much more aware of you, know, just trying to, as you say, walk from A to B. Just get outside and 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 move a little bit every day. You know, just make sure you find the time to to just take some steps, even if you're going to go and see the chickens. I mean, if I get the kids to go and see the chickens or go and, like, see the goats, yeah, I feel like, you know, they've they've done, they've got their fresh air, they've got their exercise, they've moved. And it's just so good for them to have that as part of their daily routine that they're not... um, inside all the time and and for me as well I think I've grown to become very much like if I'm not outside myself every day I actually start to feel a little bit claustrophobic and mm. I feel like that that need for movement has very much developed and I guess I'm trying to instill the same in my children you know if we get outside we move every day we just feel better you know you're burning energy you then you build an appetite you you can then you know eat com- confidently and feel that you know, it's, it's, it's all around makes you feel happier and um i think yes yeah, it's, it's a real it's a real joy to have that around us and have it so accessible and we are very fortunate that it is very easy just to walk out the door into open space um but i would you know i i always say you know even if you don't finding finding opportunities to move in, in other ways in any way is so important so we, even if it's you know you're on, on at a, an office or in a desk sort of based job or sitting in front of a screen even just you know have five minutes take five minutes out close the screen and be like right let's do some stretching or can I how can I even on the chair what can I do on the chair to just move around a bit stretch my spine yeah and it just feels so much better you feel okay I can sit down again um but if if you're continuous I think it can be very the the long-standing effects start to build up and you know even actually i'm a dental dentist we sitting in this sort of like hunch position a lot and it's it's very well known to be a profession where back pain is pretty highly prevalent so i always think you know we as dental professions are prime candidates to to sort of try and get that little bit of movement in you know, at lunchtime start do something do some stretches do something that is other than just sort of sitting down again yeah <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. And I was like, this is it. You need to uh, bring in sort of yoga for dentists on your. You
1: know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I know. I've, it'd be lovely to try and encourage more um professionals to do that, to build that as part of their routine. Like, go for a walk. If you've got an hour's break in the day, use some of that time to go for a walk, do some stretching, do something which is just going to be better for your body. And, also, probably refocus your mind. You can come back and feel refreshed. Yeah. So I think it, it, it's something that has to become a habit. It's also, a lot of it is also trying to instill that in in others around you. So you know, it's, it's perhaps how it's perceived can be a, a barrier. People perceive you as being a bit strange because <laughs> you're always um, stretching after seeing a patient. You might not. Yeah. Want well, to do. I
0: wonder how much. Um, The last, I mean, this obviously isn't the same for dentists or people who have to have been having to go to work, you know, client facing jobs that have been having to go to work in the pandemic. But I definitely think for uh, people who've been working at home and are now starting to go into the office, maybe even a a day or two a week or irregularly, we've all built in these very different habits in our lifestyle, trying to sort of. Build in movement in our day when, with like people who go into an office might not have stood up and stretched or done anything like that but at home because In they wouldn't really do very yeah. much other than just sort of shuffling from bedroom to office and that's about it have now started to go now I need to stretch now I need to move more while I'm at my desk now I need to actually like go and take myself out for a walk and appreciate the sunshine and do all of that sort of stuff and it's I, I'm just really interested to see as I talk to my clients more now that we're starting to sort of go back towards maybe mingling a little bit more have they brought those habits to yeah absolutely because I think I think for everybody we've had a completely different appreciation for our health our physical health as well as our mental well-being because it's been such a big thing during this this time
1: yeah I think that's really interesting actually to see as you say whether people do continue these habits because in a way what you need to be doing is is creating your own, it becomes like a culture, doesn't it? So you want to, part of the culture at work needs to be that everyone also appreciates that if we all start the day doing a foot bit of movement, I mean, they do this in China, don't they? Everyone does Tai Chi to start the day at work. And it's always become part, that's part of their culture. Yeah. So it, maybe it's a little bit more of the onus on, on the individual to go to the workplace and say, you know, this is what we should all be doing. Hmm. Why don't we all, you know, instead of sitting down to have lunch, let's take 10 minutes and all, do some stretching or all like, we should all go outside and go for a walk. And and in in a way it's that suggestion, people might not have thought about it and you're sort of stuck in what they've always done. But by introducing the idea, people might start to buy into it and realize that the effects and the benefits on their health. Because I think, you know, perhaps the the tendency is to slip back into what you've always done. So you just, I think individuals need to be sort of encouraged to embrace a, a small change for everyone actually because if other people are seeing seeing you do it then actually maybe it doesn't seem as such a a bad idea after all yeah so it's um it would be it would be great if people did it would be great if people started their day at work everyone had five minutes and did a stretch and then they, they went down and then before lunch did the same and it would be a huge benefit to the workforce i would say
0: yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's so interesting to kind of listen to people to work out how things that have changed. I know a lot of my clients have missed the incidental movement that they did by uh, commuting. So the sort of walking to the train station or running, possibly, uh, you know, going up and downstairs at the train yeah. station or the uh, onto the tube in if you're in a city, um, and you know, moving around from. A station to a meeting or to their office or something like that there's a lot more general movement so a lot of my clients have missed that as Mm -hmm. as their sort of normal day-to-day and then um you know have been working out how to get that in in other ways whilst they've been working at home and doing sort of 300 steps in a day or something you know not not really moving enough but um Uh, yeah I mean I'm sure sure with somebody who has a yoga practice or something like that that makes a big difference having that understanding of sort of but I can just do five minutes right here and uh, yeah I think
1: but I think it's yeah I think a lot of people um could could be doing it it's just it almost doesn't cross their minds to do it it's almost changing the way people behave changing behavior when it comes to our working environment Uh, and I think there are small steps that are happening I mean I actually do I work with a a company who most of their stuff is online and do they do a yoga session as part of their well-being program so I do a zoom yoga session for anyone in the company all over the world I have people from Venezuela to Poland and they all can come and join the class and the the companies support that as part of their well-being for their employees. And I think that's that is how forward, forward thinking we need to be. We need to support the well-being of the people that are working for us because we know that people are spending long days sitting in front of screens and computers. And actually, their health is not going to be um, it's not going to be maintained, and therefore their working life is going to be shortened. If we don't support it, so yeah. I think um, it's and actually, a, really...
0: and that's such a risk for a company to um, uh, have any any issues at all with their their staff or their you know their their assets, aren't they? So, so the more we can, they can help support and look after, and like you said, it's a culture and it's a start from all the way around, top to bottom. So there's this general feeling of movement is good. Movement is great for lots of different things. Um, having a good understanding of what that's going to do for our whole body and as a general well being rather than just, uh, you know, more of an emergency medicine prevention or kind of it's fluffy. And, you know, if we do this, we kind of tick a box. It, there has to be this kind of meeting at some point in the middle where, you know, we want everybody to be as well as they possibly can be with what they've got and yeah how can we best support that
1: yeah absolutely that should be that should be our approach indeed i absolutely agree mm-hmm. yeah so if um yeah if we can get everyone doing a little bit of yoga every day away from their desk then i think uh, then they would reap the rewards in many ways yeah absolutely
0: Well, uh, Maria, thank you so much for talking to us today and for being really generous with your time. Um, I hope you've enjoyed having an hour talking to an adult in whole full sentences. Absolutely. It it has has been. so uh thank you very much it's been really really interesting to talk to you and find out lots more about other things that we can be doing to and and the reason why we need to keep on working on our sort of movement and well-being and uh how that affects all the other things that are super important to our whole physical body
1: yeah my pleasure it's been lovely to speak to you i've really enjoyed our conversation so thank you for having me thank you